Well, greetings to all of you who support Winning at Home or a part of our team. We call you the Home Run Club because you help us knock it out of the park because you knock it out of the park, period, by being a part of this ministry and supporting what we do. So grateful for you. As you know, as you can imagine, we at Winning at Home being a nonprofit, having gone through the times we're going through, uh, remind ourselves that God is in control, and we thank you for being a part of supporting us. And this ministry that we do each month of sending you a little CD is just a way of saying thank you and reaching back into your life, trying to give you some practical thoughts and guidance that will encourage you, such as the case today. I want you to check out this message I shared about becoming one in your marriage relationship. If you're married, I hope this will greatly encourage you. If you aren't married, I hope it's something you will look into for your own life should you consider moving into a marriage relationship. Our goal, again, just to give you practical biblical advice and guidance to help you grow and sustain your own life and your marriage. So let's go check it out. I was sharing this message live, and we'll join that in process. My goal tonight is to give you some steps on how to be the one. Um, I can look at my own marriage, and I, I'm at a different place than I was even five years ago in my marriage. I'm in a much better place because I tried to get Jane to be the one I wanted her to be instead of saying, you know, I need to be what she needs me to be for her to encourage her and lift her up and inspire her. And so it's a mindset change. And tonight I'm going to give you some of the steps and ideas on how to do that. As I told you, I was up with the deacons and elders this past weekend. Jane and I went up together and, and shared time with them. And one of the things that happened was as we were driving up there, uh, I was thinking of this funny story because it's a lot of pastors. We went up North Michigan and, and so I was just driving through pastors, et cetera. And I remember this joke, it's a joke, about this guy who was driving with his wife and they got into an argument in the car. Anybody married here can relate to this idea of arguing. Anybody tonight on the way? No, never mind. But you know, that just happens. You get into an argument in the car, et cetera. And so they were frustrated each other, not talking. And they, they passed this one area, then in the pasture there was a big field, and the field was full of goats, just goats. And the husband looked at his wife and said, oh, is that your relatives over there? <laughs> to which she replied, yeah, that's my in-laws. <laughs> and so sometimes that's what marriage feels like. If we're all honest, there are days it feels that way. And if you're here and you are single and not yet married, you go, I can't believe they feel that way. It is normal. If you are here and you have those thoughts and feelings after you've been married for a while, you're pretty normal. One of the things I try to do is normalize relationships. And just like this morning, as I said uh, in first service, I talked about a lady who came up to me and said, I wonder sometimes about my faith. I told her, I do too. It's humanity. And if you're here tonight, and you go, I wonder sometimes about my marriage. I do too. It's life. And that's why when you're wondering, let me just show you one of the best places to go. Because a lot of people wander and they wander off over there. And tonight, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to point you back to the book that helps wandering eyes and wandering souls. Because it gets back to the foundation of what we need to do, making right choices that honor God. And I want to take you to Philippians chapter 2, not typically a book or a thought about marriage. Most people would look at that as, you know, being like Christ, etc. In, in marriage, that's what needs to happen. You need to look like Jesus. And so I'm going to take you to Philippians. Uh, if you go to, uh, if you want to go with me, it's chapter 2 and verse 3. And I want to apply this today 
to marriage, okay? This is the passage where it talks about Jesus totally surrendering himself and the Father God's calling on this earth. And I want to show you some things in this passage related to your marriage. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish or vain conceit. Man, what a challenging thing. How often in your marriage would you say you're doing things not for yourself? Humanity's in there. I have it all the time. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another, especially your spouse, as more important than yourself. See, when you get this mindset that says, my spouse is more important than me. In this relationship, I need to see them as more important. They need to take care of them. That's all Ephesians teaches us is men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Straight up, right there, serving. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also to the interest of others. That was why Jesus came to this earth, to look out for our interests. So now we take that same concept and we take it into our marriage and we say, I'm going to look to the interest of you. So tonight I have just 10 little things. They're going to come up on the screen. Very simple. If you have pen and paper, you might write these down. You have your phone, you can put it in your notes. But I want to just give you 10 thoughts that I believe will help you take that step of being the one Instead of looking to try to find the one. And here's the first one. They'll just come up and we'll go through them. Number one, if I change, our marriage can change, can change a lot. If I change tonight, how many of you just would say, even today, this week, there are things about your spouse that just, man, if they would just change that. Look at this. Look at this. What would happen if I just changed this spirit? See, see my spirit, if I, Jane, if you would just change that. And she's probably over there going, can you change the way you look? And you're, start with me. This is what happened in me. Jane said to me, um, be very honest with you. I think I'm a good husband. I think I'm a way better husband now than I was three years ago. And she said to me, um, I want to go back two or three years ago, just in a conversation, in a disagreement maybe or whatever. She said, Dan, I... I just want to finish the rest of my life peaceful. That's what she said. And it hit me going, she doesn't feel peaceful married to me. Why is that? And I said, babe, why is it you don't feel peaceful? Uh, Dan, you can't see this about yourself, but you are constantly looking to change things. That is so true. I like wake up in the morning going, what can I change today? I love change. And so, you know, Jane likes things the way they are. So you got change boy over here looking at girl. He'd like to change a lot. And here's what I've done over the years. Watch this. I've made her feel, you ready, inadequate. Because me constantly asking her to change things makes her hear. What she hears me saying is, I'm not good enough. And it hit me. That's not what I'm trying to say to you. If that's what I'm communicating, the way I'm acting, what I'm saying I, I, I'm sorry, and that's going to change, and it has. I have totally asked her, what are things that I am doing? What are things that I am saying that make you feel? Tell me specific phrases that come out of my mouth. So when I say one, she'll go, that one. And I said to her, I'm going to lose those phrases. I'm going to stop doing that to you because, my goodness, I don't want you to walk by my casket or urn. I'm thinking they're going to go with urn because it's cheaper. I'm not going to walk. I don't want you 
to walk by and look at that urn and I, all those people lining up to say hi to you when I'm dead. I don't want you having to go, thank you so much, thank you so much. He did not move so I, I don't want, to, I want you to be able to go, yeah, he was the man that he said he was. I want to be the same to her as you would perceive I am. Because she really knows me. And I don't know if y'all hear what I'm trying to say here, but it was me changing. I have stopped trying to change her. You know what's crazy? Our marriage is getting better. Would you think it? I quit focusing on her, start focusing on me, and we're doing better. I wish I'd learned that 37 years ago. And I challenge you to take a look at yourself tonight. If you're really bold, if you're really feeling kind of gutsy and feeling pretty good about yourself tonight, in the car on the way home, say, what are things that I do that you would love to see change in me? And, and then just listen, because it's real easy when they start talking, well, the only reason I do that is because of you. Just listen. One of the things I'm getting really good at in this change is this. Jane and I will get into a situation. We're into a disagreement. Something's not going so well. I've got to where I will literally stop, and I will look at her, and I'll go, okay, okay. I don't understand how you get to where you are in the way you're thinking about this. So I'm going to back up and I'm going to forget everything I'm thinking. Tell me why you think that way. What is it? We're disagreeing about this and you think you're right on it and I think I'm right on it. I want to hear how you got where you are. I really do this. And I say to her, I want to listen and I want to hear what you have to say. And so I'll stop talking. Now, normally, some of y'all have done this very thing. And the whole time, think about it a second, the whole time the other one's usually talking, what you're doing normally is preparing your response. Like, okay, I disagree with that, that, and that, that, and that, strike. You know, that's what's going on in your brain. I've got to where I'm going, forget about all, no, not, get that out. Tell me how you got to how you think about that. Just, I want you to walk from the beginning. What were you thinking? How'd you get there? I promise you, I bet you nine times out of ten, I will look at her and I will go, that's really good. I would have, I would have never thought about it and processed it that way, et cetera. I, I, I see what you're saying. That may, I see why you're communicating what you're saying to me. You're not angry at me or disagreeing with me. You just think you have a valid point. And I go, I like, I like what you just said. That makes a lot of sense. And, this, and then she'll go, well, what were you thinking? And I usually will go, doesn't even matter. What you said makes a lot of sense. Let's go with that. You know what that does for our marriage? Brings peace. You know what she said to me before I die? I'd like to see some peace. So I'm going to give it to her. I am going to change. And I'm saying to you tonight, I don't even think I need to bring up another point for some of us. What is something right now? You go out those doors and you could change, and you'd bring more peace, more joy, more happiness, more what Christ would bring to your marriage. What is the thing? Don't even need to go any further. Don't say it out loud, because your spouse is already waiting to get in the car. They got three things. <laughs> but I want you to leave, and I want you to go. When you hit that exit, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to do that. I'm just telling you, I've been practicing this, and it's really helping us. We have a more solid marriage. I'm more steady. Here's the side benefit of this. I want to tell you all the side benefit of this. I'm just becoming a more solid person because Jesus is guiding me through this and I'm, I'm, I'm asking him, when I'm sitting, 
Y'all get that when I say to obey, you explain that whole thing from your point of view. You get that my humanity inside wants to go, let me go first. And so it's a total surrender to go, I don't need to make my point. Jesus, come help me here because I, I don't even think I'm going to like this when she starts talking. And I hear him go, just relax. Just listen. Listen to her. It makes a big difference. And like I said this morning, it takes effort. This is not going to come natural because normally we are just by nature selfish. And I want you to work at changing to benefit your marriage. So that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to go through 10 of those. They're easy, aren't they? It's easy. That's supposed to be funny. Number two, here's number two. Be a servant of the Lord and a helpmate to your spouse. Get this in order. Some of you... Um, have got a philosophy and a mindset that your spouse is supposed to be your savior. Look, when I'm hurting, do this for me. When I need this, do it. You should pick up on the fact that I'm struggling today. I'm needy, notice it. Come on, what's wrong with you? That's Jesus. Your spouse is a helpmate. That, that means you say to them, I'm really struggling today. Would you be willing to pray for me? That's a helpmate, see? Some of us have put our spouse in savior position. That's out of whack. It's not biblical. It sounds good. It sounds almost Christian. Yeah, my spouse, she, she saves me. No, she does not. <laughs> Don't laugh too loud. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> our spouse is not our savior, and I want you to get that in order. Because if you don't, then a lot of us are motivated to serve our spouse to get something back, see? Well, like me, all right, I'm going to listen to you, babe, and the whole time I'm waiting. I listen to you. Now you got to listen to me. It's not Jesus at all. This is a mindset change to realize Jane is my helpmate. That's what Scripture calls your spouse. The, the Scripture does not go any further than helpmate. Jesus is not a helpmate. Jesus is a Savior. Through that, he helps us with everything. But get your spouse in the proper position. Let me just tell you, it's why most marriages on earth don't work. It's why in Hollywood, you see so many people get married. Oh, I want to be your helpmate. And then about three days later, they're going, I don't really want to do that anymore. And it's not based on Jesus being at the center of it, so the marriage fails. And some of you tonight, uh, whether you realize it or not, you're depending too much on your spouse from some spots in your life, some holes in your life that only Jesus feels. Don't put that responsibility on them. It's not fair. It's not fair for me to expect Jane to know everything about me and understand everything about me and process what I'm going through and what my day's been like. I can tell her about it. She can try to help me, but she can't fix it. And that's been a reality that's hit me going, good grief. You've got unappropriate and inappropriate and unmet expectations with her that, that you're, you created in your own mind, and in your own life. It has nothing to do with God's word. And this thing of changing me has helped me see that better. I couldn't see that as good when I was just constantly nitpicking, trying to point out things I need. Well, the Bible says, I grew up in a church. Well, the Bible says the woman served the man. And I remember as a kid sometimes even thinking, something about that seems whacked out. Because it just wasn't taught in a loving way. And I want to call you tonight to a new way a Philippians 2 way, a Jesus mindset way. That's what we need to be for our spouse. Number three, 
one zinger, oh yeah, will erase a day's worth of kindness. We must hear five positive. I think it's more like 20 positive to erase one negative. Psychologists say five preachers. I'm going to tell you 20. Jane and I had spent the day together today. It was a fantastic day. We had spent the day together, going to the store together, hanging out, laughing, had lunch together. Just a wonderful day. And all I did was say one comment about how slow she was at Meyer. It's just like, you know, it's like, babe, can you drag this out anymore? Let me just tell you, I don't remember. It was like 5.07.35 maybe. Rest of the day, ruined. Wonderful day up to that point. Y'all get it. And the best thing you do at that point is go to bed. <laughs> One zinger. And I'm going to pause here for a minute because there are some of you in this room. You're really good with zingers. You say some damaging things. You scream some things that's unbelievable. If tonight, just in this moment, we paused and everybody walked up here and you stood and all of a sudden your zingers came up on the screen, you'd be potentially terribly embarrassed. Some of you would be terribly embarrassed at things that come out of your mouth. You save them. You don't have control of your tongue. I want, I want to show you something. This is something else Jesus has taught me. Zingers don't come out of my house. I shared some of this at the, um, at the elder and deacon retreat this weekend. I looked right at Jane. I turned to her and said, babe, when's the last time a zinger came out of my mouth? And she said right in front of the whole group, I can't remember one. Because as I've changed, I've lost that. I used to throw some zingers out. I don't do it. Let me tell you why. I've studied the life of Jesus a lot in this particular area. Listen, he never lost it with people from what they said to him. He always managed his response. Watch this. In your marriage, let me show you something. In your marriage, you say, well, you drive me to do that. Nope. If I choose to react and say something that's a zinger or whatever, that's on me. I can blame my spouse all day long. I can say, well, Jane, you aren't right. meeting my needs. You aren't doing whatever. If a zinger comes out of me, I need to own my zinger. Jesus always responded. He never reacted. Look at him in front of the kings, in front of Herod, and kind of Pontius Pilate, all of them. They used to rip on him, slap him, spit on him. And then, well, uh, my, look at Jesus' answers. I started studying him. I love his answers. Oh, you're the savior of the world, right? Look, look, think about how can you answer? This is the key. How are you going to answer that? And Jesus, well, you say I am. Oh, that is so good. It's kind of like he had a zinger, but it was kind of covered up real good. <laughs> so learn how to respond in a way. If you're in a situation where your spouse is screaming at you, learn how to respond in such a way they don't even know what to do with it. Like, like this. If your spouse is screaming, you say, why aren't you saying anything? Uh, I like, I like to control what I say. Not much you can say to that. How about this one? Uh, I just, no matter what comes out, I just know I'll always love you. Pretty hard to get mad about that. Because love wins, see. I grew up in a house where my dad was the king of zingers. He, he did it on purpose. Things like, well, no wonder you act that way. Look what your mother's like. 
what? I remember hearing him say that. I loved my grandmother. She was a wonderful woman. I'm going, why you got to say that? It, the things that come in my mind, I was too small to say anything, but I wanted to smack him. So disrespectful to my mother. So disrespectful. If you throw zingers at your spouse and your children, see it. You know what they're thinking? Get control of your tongue. You say, Dan, I don't know how to do it. Get some counsel. I did. Go talk to someone. Seek help. It might be you have to get some new uh, things in your life to change this. I, I get it. I understand it. I'm just saying to you, zingers will destroy your marriage. And some of you in this room right now know what yours are. Some of yours are profanity. Uh, some of yours are calling them names. You've just got a standard name. Some of you is belittling. Your Savior always had control of his tongue. And if our goal is to be a Philippians 2 follower of Jesus, then I want to try to be more like him with my mouth. And I know you're a big uh, group of people who believes that the word you say matters. Listen to that thought and practice better words with your spouse. Speak peace and love over your relationship. And let me tell you something. Sometimes when, if there's nothing good coming out of your mouth, Walk away. Go to bed. Close your mouth. It's really quiet in here. <laughs> I'll go to point number five, but that's a good one. Or is that, I mean, I'll go point number four. <laughs> Sorry, I'll go to point number four. But I want you to, uh, tonight, I really think point number three is for somebody here. Maybe it's only one or two of you, but can you please control your tongue? Because you need to be Jesus to your spouse. Number four, problems are not caused by differences, but how those differences are handled. Everything I'm saying tonight, y'all know this stuff, but I'm just telling you, these are some simple steps on how to be the one instead of, you know, look for the one. Be the one by making sure you look at the differences in your marriage and you come up with new ways to handle them. Jane and I are totally different in so many ways. She's quiet. I'm loud and boisterous. She drives... Five miles below the speed limit, I drive at least five above. <laughs> she does this, I do that. We're just different. One of the things that I've seen change in me since I told you from the beginning is we go to Florida, and there's a place there we go two or three times a year. Now, when you go to Florida, you take sunglasses. When I wear my sunglasses, they are, they are clean, they are shiny. I will rub them with a cloth. I'll do whatever I got to do. We go to the beach, I get back, I clean them off. My glasses, even tonight, they are really clean. I don't like looking there. Honestly, there are times when we're sitting in Florida, we're having a meal, we're sitting out on the deck or whatever, and we're eating her sunglasses. <laughs> I don't know how she's looking through them. It's like she goes around in the room going, you know what, I could throw that on there and that would be good on there. Get a couple of those, that'd be good, yeah. Oh, I can't see, this is perfect. It's unbelievable. And the old Dan, when we're sitting there at a meal, the old Dan would look at her and see those glasses and say something like this, my word, your nickname should be Smudge. Yeah, yeah, thank you, that's not very nice. But it's because... It irritates me so bad. And I don't know how she does it. But you know what the new Dan does? I see all those smudges. This, this is all I do now. Honey, would it, would it bother you at all if I cleaned your glasses? <laughs> Isn't that a much better thing to say? 
Usually she'll be like, oh my goodness, are they bad again? I didn't even notice. That, that's what she'll do. She doesn't notice it. She doesn't see that stuff that drives me crazy. And that's not wrong. It's just different. And I got to learn how to handle that difference. For me, it is my driving. Drives her crazy. So now, I can't tell you the number of times I look over at her and eyes are just closed. I get right. I love that driving. Oh, I love that when it's like 70 or 80 in Chicago and you're a foot from the car in front of you and it's wide open. It just, it's, it, I'd never be a NASCAR driver, but that's close. And she just closed her eyes. I'm like, are you stressed out? Nope, I don't even see a thing. It's a new Jane. We've worked hard to try to handle our differences because otherwise, guess what? Differences, oh, 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 when you first get married, they're only about this, oh, we just got a couple of little things after about 10 years, man, oh man, after about 15 years, like got to try to step over them. And pretty soon it's piled up to here and pretty soon, watch this, you're in over your head. And all you can see is all that. Nobody sets out on their wedding day to get divorced. Nobody sets out to have all these calamities that seem to come our way. It's called life. Life happens. When I was dating Jane, I never dreamed we'd sit in Florida and her sunglasses would bother me. If the pastor would have said that on the wedding day, I'd have been like, no way, not me. But it does. And how I handle that and how I deal with that needs to make a statement of the fact that I value her. When I call her a smudge, then I make her feel invalidated. When I say to her, may I clean your glasses? You know what that sounds like? A helpmate. Two different views. Y'all see what I'm saying whether you agree or not. You can go home and practice this because on the way home, one of your differences has a pretty good chance, 99% of coming up. Practice it tonight. Before you go to sleep tonight, when a difference happens in the bedroom, getting ready, in the bathroom, whatever, a difference happens, just look at each other and go, this is it. Let's get through this one the right way. Practice some new ways of doing this stuff. Be the one. Don't look for them to become the one you want them to be. Next point, I have no idea what we're on. Number five, I think. Every marriage relationship must have a built-in reserve tank. Oh, yeah. Let me say something about all of you who are married in the room. Look at me. I just want you to get this. You're a force. You're a force. I want you to start believing and seeing. You are a force to be reckoned with. Y'all have some good days. You have some days where it's going good. Man, we're making an impact, etc. On those days, take some of that and stick it over in your reserve tank because you're going to have not so good days too. And on your not so good days, reach over there and grab that reserve tank and say, remember that day we had a really good day? We're going to be okay. We're going to have some slip ups. We're going to have some falls. We're going to have some not so good moments. It's called married life. You think about this, ladies and gentlemen. I've, I've been living with Jane now, married to her 13,000 days. That's a long time. I promise you, anybody in this room, I'll, I'll just pick somebody, Pastor Al. I like Pastor Al. I bet you me and him could go about two weeks together. He'd be like, I got to get away from Seaborn. That's just life right there. Pick anybody in the room, stay with them 13,000 days, and guess what? You're going to get on each other's nerves. 
I try to tell young couples, yeah, they all in love and can't touch each other, hold, grab it, everything. That's going to fade some. It's just life. I remember that for me. I, I don't know why. I was in accounting, but I remember God put it in my heart to start writing down when I was struggling in our marriage, and now I have it to look back to. But one, three, seven, and 11, those were the years where I actually had the thought, I don't love her anymore. I don't want to be with her. I, I don't really want to be around her right now. I remember getting in the car one time. This was the three years into our marriage. We got in the car. We were going out to dinner. She put her hand over by the steer, you know, by the uh, gear and, and reached over to hold my hand. And I remember literally thinking, I don't want to hold her hand. That's scary. And I pushed through that time. Some of you here who were there tonight, listen to me. I pushed through that time. I pushed through it at one year. Five, three years, seven years, and 11 years. I pushed through those times. Guess what? On the backside of it, loved her even more than before. It's crazy how it works. Push through that stuff. Don't you dare give up. Understand that you've got to have that reserve tank that in those moments you go, no, 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 no. I know I love her. I remember when I married her, I said, I'm committed to you till death do us part. And I'm going to stick with you. Well, let, let's just put it this way. It, re, it reminds me of the sermon this morning. There are some faith moments where you have to reach back in that reserve tank and go, God, I know you're there. I don't necessarily see it right now in my circumstance. I wouldn't walk into the circumstance and go, wow, God's all over that. But I know you are, so I'm going to reach back in my reserve tank. And I'm going to pull it into the now. Have that reserve tank. Maybe tonight, even the way home, if your spouse sees you doing this, just go, there's reserve Maybe you make a motion for a while. What are you doing there? I'm pulling up on the reserve. Remember, we're a force. We are together. We're making an impact for Christ. You know, the Bible and that verse in the scripture where it says, who cut in on you? You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Satan would love to cut in on you. And when that happens, you grab that reserve and you pull it up there. And it'll get you through. Got me through mine. And I'm believing it's going to get me through till the day that we part from each other. And it's interesting because I uh, had a lady walk up to me after, I think it was second service today, telling me how much she misses her husband. He passed. And she said, we were so close. We had that God-like relationship. And I said to her, it's been really hard, hasn't it? She said, it, it has. She said, I'm trusting the Lord with it, but it's been very painful. I said, yeah, if you do marriage right, if you do it right when your spouse dies on this earth, it's really painful. If you don't have a good marriage and your spouse dies, <laughs> Seriously, I see people, their spouse dies, how you doing? Oh, I'm trying to get through it inside. I can see them going, celebrate. I mean, they're happy. <laughs> you don't have a good marriage, it's a good day. But if you build a godly marriage, when your spouse dies, it's painful because a part of you is going on. But just remember, there is a thing called eternity. And by faith, we believe in what we cannot see. And so tonight, put your marriage in that reserve that believes there is an eternity that you can trust God with. Number next, remember that we all, <laughs> I don't have any idea. Remember that we all want to be loved, accepted, and understood. Wow, wow, wow. Let, let me just ask you a question. Look up there for a second. Those of you who are married, do you think your spouse feels loved? accepted and understood now understand this is different for each person what what makes you feel that way is not what makes them feel that way so often we project onto our spouse what we want 
But I want you to understand, see, see, this is what Jesus gives to us. I look up there and I go, that is pretty much what faith in Jesus is, being loved by him, accepted by him, and understood by him. Now, watch that. Translate that down to your marriage. Give that to your spouse. I, I want to tell you something. If your spouse sitting next to you feels those three things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what you are. You are a gift. Because those things right there, it's what the world's looking for. I sometimes get fascinated that when I watch the news and all that stuff and all the things that they talk about that they think would bring, bring peace. And what really would bring peace is right, right there. In Jesus' name, to love, care, and accept and understand each other. And I want you to tonight think of a way you could do that for your spouse and act on it. See, for me, I kept hearing Jane say, I just want, I want to finish my life in peace. How many times did I need her to say that for me to go, okay, wait, wait a second. Peace makes her feel loved. Peace makes her feel accepted for who she is instead of invalidated or feeling like she's not enough. Oh, my goodness. If, if I could just get that she wants peace, if she sees that I get she wants peace, she's going to feel understood. And I went to give that to her, and I believe I'm giving that to her. And I would challenge you tonight to take a look at yourself and say, am I that spouse? Now, now watch this, watch this. I get it, because inside you're going, what about them? They're going to give it back to me? Don't go there yet. Just look at yourself. You're responsible someday to stand before God Almighty, and I can tell you this. I want to stand there. I want to stand there and go, God, I gave it. Now, Judge Jane, how'd she do? No, let me just go give it. And what I'm finding is the more I give it and focus on what I can do, the more solid I'm becoming. And I want you to develop solidity in your life. Be the one. Jesus was pretty solid, never married, did life with his disciples, but that guy found his solidity in what he did for God the Father and seeking God the Father. Go do that. And give that right there to your spouse. It is a gift. Next. It's 6 o'clock. I'll try to zip through these, but I still want to make my points. Here we go. Do what is best for the long term versus what might feel good in the moment. Some of you in here are right now at a place with an audience this size. There are some of you doing some really dangerous stuff right now. Feels good in the moment. <laughs> it, it, it's like, oh, well, Dan, I just, I sometimes need that. I, yeah, yeah. And that very thing could come, the thing that ends up destroying you. Do the right thing, make the night right next decision. I wrote this phrase down, listen to this. I thought this was pretty good. Stupid can feel good, but it's still stupid. <laughs> so be able to take self-evaluation and go, am I doing anything that's stupid, that's risky? And I need to chill on that. I need to stop. I don't want to risk it. Think of the shrapnel. Think of what would happen if you make a poor decision. <laughs> I, I have never met a 90-year-old person at the end of their life going to a nursing home and say to them, hey, I've never met anybody, boy, I wish I could do my life over and make more dumb decisions. You, know, you, just, you just don't have that. 
when you get to 80 and 90 and 100, if the Lord gives that to you, however, however long you live, you will never regret making right decisions. You won't. Go make one tonight. Go work through that thing internally and make a next right decision. And I will tie it to what I said this morning. Right decisions with God do not return void. The next one's pretty simple. You've probably heard this over and over and over, and I'm just going to say it a couple of times. Listen, listen, listen. Let me, let me say the point again. Listen, listen, listen. I've become a better listener these last three years. I've heard my wife. I've heard what she said. And I've looked at her differently than I used to. I've thought about why is she feeling that way. I've, I've thought about her childhood. I've thought about all the things she feels. I've thought about how she stood by me in all those years of studying for the ministry. And I thought about all the times she's watched our children when I've been on the road. Listen to her a little bit. She's paid a, she's paid a price for being married to you. Listen to her. See that mindset change? The old mindset was, what else does she need to do for me? And now it's, what could I do for her? And then listen to her. And today I ask you to go home and maybe in the car tonight, you don't say anything. Your spouse starts talking, you just listen. And not a la, 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 la. Listen. Listen. <laughs> My grandson the other day, I, I called him. I, we were FaceTiming and... Uh, <laughs> so hilarious, but we were FaceTiming. There's something he had done. I was challenging Jackson. I said, I said, Jackson, you can't be doing that with your mom. You know, I said, so I was talking to him on, on the FaceTime, okay? And all of a sudden, my daughter walks over and goes, Dad, I don't know how long you've been talking, but he's got you muted. <laughs> so the whole time, he's just sitting there doing this. He ain't listening. Nothing I'm saying. He's got the mute button on, shaking his head. So good. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of do that to our spouse sometimes. Oh, you keep going, honey. Oh, you keep going. Don't mute your spouse. <laughs> it's not beneficial. <laughs> so when you listen, actually listen. <laughs> that, that is funny. Number nine, <laughs> keep God at the top. You know, the little marriage triangle thing, I talk about it a lot. God at the top. Not, not God on the angle. Not God, yeah, he's over on the side. No. God is the top. Spouse down here, God at the top. And watch, remember, I, it, so let's imagine you're growing up the angle. It gets, triangle started this big. You get it tied up in here. Like, like when you, you've been married a while, it starts to get this tight with the Lord. So all that love's stuck in there. Build that. It's a beautiful thing. It's interesting that it's the shape of a house. Go build that. Make sure you keep Jesus at the roof. And obviously, um, number 10, married couples, we got to go work at this daily. This is not easy. I'm not telling you, man, I, oh, man, it's been so easy to work through this stuff with Jane. No, it's been a lot of pain for me. It has. I've, I've changed my way of thinking. That's been painful. I got some personality flaws that I just want to kind of go, well, that's who I am. That's the way it is. And God's kind of showing me it might be way, the way you are, but you need to round those edges off. And I'm working at them, man. I'm working diligently and hard, more than I ever have, to make a peaceful home for Jane to enjoy her time with me. And I want her on my death day to go, that dude, he killed it at the end. And I want to leave that legacy for my kids too. So I challenge you tonight, whatever point, 
fits, you're here and you're single, listen to these things because they'll be beneficial for you as you move ahead. If you choose to never get married, that's fine as well. But if you do get married, listen to these things. And I encourage you to keep growing as couples together. Go home and practice. Some of you are going to have a chance to practice as soon as you hit that exit door. Some of you have a good chance to practice before you get to the parking lot. It's coming. Because I live life too. And my prayer is you'll go home and go home and kill it. Lord, thank you for these couples and individuals who have come out tonight speaking specifically to marriage. And I pray that those who are married will receive this with a gentle, loving spirit from which I'm seeking to give it. You have humbled me in this area, I believe, so I can teach more effectively. So help me to go home and practice what I'm preaching and help us all to keep growing in you. Thank you for this beautiful church that allows me incredible freedom to come and preach from your word and just a loving grace they show to me and my family. And I pray you'd continue to bless them and help them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of us said, amen. I hope you're challenged. I hope you find yourself going, hmm, I can take a couple of things up a notch. Even as I listen to my own message, I think, yeah, I need to practice that <laughs> because we're all growing. We're all working together. Trust this message ministered to you. Thank you again for being a part of the ministry here at Winning at Home. Thank you for praying for us and supporting us. We appreciate it. And we're going to keep doing our best to make a mark for Jesus Christ. And we appreciate your continued partnership.